Welcome to It's a Good Life, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Before we begin, I want to tell you about It's a Good Life Plus, our new ad-free subscription on Apple Podcasts. All you've got to do is open the Apple Podcast app and click on It's a Good Life. You'll see a banner under the logo that removes ads and unlocks early access to episodes. It's just five bucks a month, and there's even a free trial. Either way, continue listening to It's a Good Life and sharing the show with others. And here's our man, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. Boy, we got some stuff for you today. And if you are in business, want to be in business, want to grow a business, we've got a couple of podcasts lined up for you that are going to do just that. And I can speak autobiographically to this because the man I'm going to introduce you to today has helped me in my business and helped many other people in their businesses throughout the years. His name is Bill Hampton. He's from Michigan, but he lives down in Tennessee. He was involved with the Dave Ramsey organization and really a key player in the meteoric rise of Dave Ramsey becoming the biggest name on radio and the giant corporation they built down there in Tennessee today. Bill's headed up many companies himself. He's a consultant. He has been a speaker at our events. He blew away our peak experience audience earlier this year. And next year, I'm delighted to say he's going to speak at all four of our masterclass events. And Bill is going to give a masterclass on how to promote a business, how to grow your sales, how to grow your business, and how to grow yourself. And Bill has been a consultant and continues to be a consultant in the growth and success of a feeding company. So today, you guys are getting exposed to one of my coaches. And uh, you're going to get to hear from someone who is not just a great friend of mine, but also has so much wisdom, insight, practical experience. I just read a couple of books uh, on a recent trip to Ireland on promotion and sales. And then I did, you know, I'm doing the research on who wrote the books, and they just have nothing behind them. And I'm just so proud of what we've made a commitment to here at the It's a Good Life show and the Brian Buffini show before that, is that when we bring people to you, they are people who've been there, done that, and they teach from experience. And we no longer do that in this culture where we ask, who are you and where did you come from? What did you do before? I take your advice. There's a lot of influencers who have influence but have no experience. And at the end of the day, it falls flat. And that is not what we're doing today. So, Bill, I, I know I'm waxing on here a little bit, but I want our audience to understand who you are and what you do. And thanks for joining me today. And I'm excited we're going to run out a few podcasts to help people grow their business. Brian, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as always. And uh, boy, what you were just talking about there, about that's going to tie in beautifully to some of the things we talk about today, just about Let's make sure people have been there and done that before uh, we're taking their advice. There's a lot of advice out there these days, but not all of it's good advice. Harvey McKay wrote the book, uh, Beware the Bare-Chested Man Who Offers You His yes, Shirt, that's right? right. That's Don't right. take financial advice from the guy with holes in his shoes. And the reason this is so important is we are heading into, even the politicians agree, we're heading into a recession. And, uh, you know, four or five months ago, I did my first recession-proof your business and finances to try to get people into a mode to prepare themselves on what to do and how to do it. We're seeing a 20% pullback in the stock market. 401ks are down 25% actually, was the heading in the newspaper the other day. We're seeing the real estate business volume down 20%, projected 24% next year. Mortgage rates are up, touching 7%. We know where inflation is and crazy. So we have all these challenges economically. We have all these headwinds. Every single day, we're reading another major companies laying off 1,000 employees, 3,000 employees. 4,000 employees. 
So there's going to be a lot of doom and gloom, and there's going to be an awful lot of um, negative headlines out there for people, and it's very easy to get down. But you and I both know the key recipe for people is to grow, and that you can outperform a recession, you can grow through a recession. Years ago, I said a recession was a terrible thing to waste. When you were in the center of the Ramsey organization, you guys grew exponentially during the Great Recession. And so I think for folks, we need to know there's difficulties. There are sober conversations to have, but there's also giant opportunities. And that's why I wanted to take the time to be with you. If you haven't heard Bill before, in our first season with the Brian Buffini Show, we had episode 279, and Bill did a fabulous presentation called Move the Needle. And uh, I would just highly encourage you to listen to that. And now we're going to kind of take it to the next step and go to the next level with it, especially as we're facing some economic headwinds. Before we dive in, Bill, just for you personally, as you hear all this doom and gloom, and obviously it sells newspapers and clickbait and all that stuff, how do you view a recession? How do you view the negative news in regards to what people's opportunity is? Well, exactly what you said. I mean, I think when there is, um, when there is a, a real situation going on that really is affecting families and really is, um, uh, you want to acknowledge that that is really happening but then there's always opportunity. Opportunity is born out of struggle. And um, if you have the ability to see it, it, it uh, can create some uh, great growth in people's personal lives, in people's business. I know companies that have pivoted during tough times and went on to do bigger things than they ever would have done had that struggle not happened. So uh, don't want to make light of it. It's real and it is painful, but boy, can opportunity spring from that. There are businesses that are going to die. There's people who are going to be let go. And in the midst of this, this is when the most successful businesses have been built. And you and I are both students of history and love our biographies. You know, you look at American business history, almost all the great companies were formed during times of struggle and downturns. Absolutely. So let's dive right yes. in, Bill. You know, one of the dynamics uh, you talk about is, as a consultant is taking a look from the outside and being able to get perspective. You have a perspective that's unique where you say, yes, we need coaching. Yes, we need independent consultants, but also good to be a consultant to your own business. That's right. What do you mean by that? You know, Brian, it's, it's difficult to do, but it's so valuable. It, many entrepreneurs... Um, just have a hard time thinking about their growth and and they have a hard time looking down the road because they have so many other things going on. You know, business would be easy if there wasn't people in it, but there are people in it. And and there are um, people who don't show up to work because their kids are sick that day and there's drama and there's gossip. And there's sometimes as an entrepreneur, you're just like, I just want to be able to think about the growth of my business, but I've got all this other stuff going on. So as a consultant myself, what I'm able to do, sometimes I come in and look like a genius just because I don't have all that baggage. I'm able to offer fresh perspective that the entrepreneur is just not able to offer. So if you can get above all of that and get away and separate yourself from the realities of the day-to-day grind, and view your business like a consultant, there's really some benefits that can come out of that. Yeah, no doubt. On a personal level, you know, I got one of my kids playing college sports right now, and she's trying to decide the trajectory of her career and, you know, specialize in a major and where should I go and what should I do? 
and there's all these thoughts, but she's busy, she's an athlete, she's working all the time, she's got hard classes in a hard school, so she's just so busy all the time, she hasn't had time to think. So when I'm engaging in a discussion with her and I'm trying to get her to think like bigger picture, get above it, it was hard for her. And I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Let's just end this conversation right now. I want you to go make a pros and cons list of where you are and what you need to do. Why are you there? What are you doing? Where do you really want to go? What do you want? What do you not want? Just some basic questions. And she starts texting me. She goes, dad, I'm in class, but guess what I'm doing right now? And then we had a conversation this weekend that was fabulous. It was a fabulous conversation. It was less anxious. Yeah. (laughs) It was less stressful. All of the different circumstances emotionally and people and relationships and all the different things. Oh, I don't let this person down or do this or do that. That was all gone because she got a chance to be clear. Now, obviously, look, having a coach, having a consultant, of course, speaking with a counselor on those personal matters, those are all super helpful things. Uh, And also, sometimes we just need to call time out and take a breath and go, okay, hang on a second here. I got into business to be an entrepreneur. That's right. I didn't get into business to fix the copy machine. I didn't get into business to work on the internet. I didn't get the, you know, my IT is down. That's not why I got into business. And so taking some time to work on the business instead of in the business, that's really the Michael Gerber principle from the E-Myth Revisited, right? So work on the business, not in the business. And you're kind of reaffirming that again today. We're going to talk about playing to win. And you and I both love winning. We were just talking about, we have an affinity for the Tennessee volunteer football team. And they had a big win last month against Alabama. And we, we love to win. We love to win. We love to compete. We learn from our losses. We're very similar people in a lot of ways. And you love the idea of playing to win. Just explain that a little bit for the mindset of an entrepreneur, what it means to play to win. Well, Brian, one thing I learned years ago, just to kind of revisit and to stay with this idea of looking at your business like a consultant, um, we've all had this experience, right? It's Christmas, the Christmas holidays, um, the family's home, everyone's around the table, And you walk into a room and you see your kids are playing a game. And I had this experience. I'm like, hey, dad, you want to play the game? Well, we all ask the same questions in that moment. We say things like, what's the game? How do you play it? Um, How do you win? Who are the other players? Who's currently winning the game? Who's currently losing the game? Why are they winning? Why are they losing? Um, As I did that, I started applying those questions and viewing my business like it was a game. And I went, if I ask those same questions about my business, how how would I view my business differently? And Brian, I got to tell you, if your audience really embraced this, it's one of the most valuable things that I have done in my business. I did it with Buffini and Company when I started consulting with you. Once I gathered information enough that I understood a little bit, I sat back and I asked myself those questions. What game are they playing? Who else is playing the game? Who's good at the game? Who's bad at the game? How do you win? What does winning look like? What are the rules? Um, and when I and when you do that with your business, and if you're honest about it, it's funny, I'll, I'll do this exercise with, with companies sometimes, and When I talk about who are the other players and who's winning, sometimes they won't mention the most obvious person in their industry who's winning. And I'll go, why didn't you mention this company or this person? And they'll go, oh, well, they're a jerk. We don't like that person. Well, hold on. I didn't ask you if you liked 
I ask you who's winning and they're winning right now in the consumer's eyes. That is a powerful exercise to go through when looking at your company. And I'd really encourage your audience to think about looking at their business like they're playing a game. We all ask those same questions. Ask it of your business. You'll learn a lot. That's brilliant. And first of all, I had a gentleman about a month ago write me a letter that he spent five years getting an MBA. And he said he learned more from two podcasts that we did on business than he did from his five years in college. And I don't doubt that. And I would say what you just said, those five questions you just laid out, what game are you playing? Who else is playing it? Who's good at it? How do you win? And what are the rules? I would say most entrepreneurs, I'd say 90% of entrepreneurs don't have those answers right now. And I would say for most entrepreneurs, they just got a master's degree in the basic fundamentals of market analysis. And, you know, it was interesting. We were talking about Tennessee and Alabama. And I listened to the press conference of the Tennessee coach who said, okay, he's looking at Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the most heralded and hated coach in America, right? He's not the most fun personality. Him and Bill Belichick are friends, and no one seems to like those guys, right? But this guy said, the coach of Tennessee goes, I'm studying what they do. They've built the best program in America. So yes, I'm studying them. And, and like you said, oh, I don't study that competitor because I don't like who they are. Or, or and people go, because I don't want to win like them. And so it's a value judgment or it can be, you know, all these other reasons behind it. But the truth of the matter is you can learn from everybody. You don't have to compromise your values. You don't have to be them, but you certainly can learn. And if somebody's out there winning, the key is to respect the part of their business and their performance that you can respect. And how can you learn from it? And you can learn from everybody. Yeah, that's great. So we're playing the game. We're going to do the market research. We're going to find out who's winning, who's losing, why they're winning, why they're losing. What's the game? What's the rules? And then we go to work. Like I said, 90% of the people who have a business who listen to this podcast right now, I will guarantee you do not have the answer to those five questions as clear as it needs to be. Go back, listen again, write it down and do this as a little, take a day off, take a morning off, start digging in. As you know, one of my favorite quotes is from P.T. Barnum. And he says, without promotion, something terrible happens. Nothing. And P.T. Barnum was always viewed as the con man, as the showman. They had the greatest showman, was the movie made about his life. But the truth of the matter is he was a brilliant business guy and set up principles. Because there are many people that their service, their product, their character, their nature, first class. And they're the best thing no one ever heard of. So without promotion, nothing happens. You are a master in the area of promotion. You've made your life. You just are this way. You think this way. You came out of the womb this way. And then you've developed a whole bunch of skills and experiences, maybe just for folks, uh, talk about why promotion is so important, especially in the light that so many of us, like the Kardashian-type promotion, the Instagram, TikTok-type promotion, we feel is shallow. And so many people, again, just like the, the best person in their competition, they move away from it. Maybe it's time to take a fresh look at promotion. And why is it so important? Why is it so crucial to a business? Yeah, it, it, it is so crucial. And Brian, you know, as you go through that exercise we were talking about earlier with the game and you study those that are winning in their business, if you're honest with yourself, as you look at them, you're going to realize they're really good at self-promotion. And so it does beg the question, why are some people so comfortable with it? And usually the ones who are, are winning at what they do. Why is that? You know, Brian, I love the words of King Solomon, where he says in the book of Proverbs, uh, do not withhold good from someone when it's within your power to do it. If you have something, if your business 
deep down in you or your service, whatever it might be, if you really believe that what you have will help people, it will enrich their life, it will make their life better, it will make their life easier, it will add value to them in some way, and you don't talk about it, and they don't know about you, then you're withholding good from them. And that's wrong. And so I genuinely believe that, and I think people who win at business believe that. That if that you shouldn't withhold good from someone when it's within your power to do it. They genuinely believe in their product. That's why we need to promote. You know, it's funny, I just had a series of meetings inside my company, and I was sharing stories, because I get access to all these clients, and it filters through. And, you know, as you know, we got a pretty good sized company and there's all the different issues and logistics and operations to do. And I just started sharing stories of our clients, you know, people who'd come from nothing. You know, we had a pastor's wife who couldn't sell a house for six months. And now she's one of the best agents in our whole community. And her husband, who's a pastor of this church, now works for the church for free. And another lady who was kind of on welfare and now is doing a million dollars a year. And you know, has a charity where she helps women change their lives around. And we have all these fabulous stories. And I have all these people in the room, they're kind of the tears are streaming down and they're hearing stories and they're hearing the stories of our clients. And then I stopped the meeting and said, by the way, we've never shared these stories with the public. And it's not about just more and sales and income and so on and so forth, but also it's, it's withholding good. And some of the, here's the other side. You know, those other top-notch people or people who are winning that you don't particularly like, Sometimes they're great at promotion and then their ethics and whatever else are not great on the back end. But they're out there banging the drum. So we need to bang the drum. And if we really have the stake, we need to have some sizzle to go with it. We got to bang the drum. You know, you talk about when we promote, one of the things you always mention is we got to know our customer. And you're always big and asking questions. You ask great questions, but you always talk about knowing your customer. Why is that so critical to promotion? Yeah. Well, you learn so much when you know your customer. You know, it's funny. People will ask me sometimes, hey, Bill, um, uh, how can I be seen in a better light by my customers? How can I look better to my customers? And what I always say to them is, why are you asking me? I'm not your customer. Ask them. And so it's, it's so important to know your customer. Brian, I learned this when I was leading the Dave Ramsey organization and it was way back in the day when we were trying to get Dave on radio stations and he was on very few. The show was very small. Nobody was listening to us. And I just kept, I was cold calling radio stations and I was telling them how great the Dave Ramsey show was and how much success we were having in Nashville. And I was talking about us, talking about us. And finally, a friend of mine was gracious enough to tell me to <laughs> shut up. Quit talking about how great we were. And he said, Bill, I'll never forget. He said, Bill, if they replace a show that's on their, on their station, that's making them money with Dave Ramsey, and Dave Ramsey doesn't make them money, they're going to lose their job. So you need to start telling program directors how the Dave Ramsey show's going to help them keep their job. And man, when I heard that, it literally changed everything for us. And what I really heard was, hey, Bill, don't tell us about you and how great you are or Dave is. You're promoting the problem that you solve. That is what you're promoting. You're not promoting you. Because we were talking to our customers and because we knew them, 
they gave us the roadmap for how to win in radio. It literally changed right. everything and for us. Ramsey, what is he on? 600 syndicated radio stations today, 700, whatever it is. That's right. You know, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. You know, it's funny. As a sole proprietor, when I was selling real estate 30 years ago, I would take my best customers to lunch. And I had all of these cool things that I did. I mean, in the services I offered, I actually, one of my assistants was licensed as a daycare operator. We had one room in my building where we, when I would take a mom, for example, out to look at houses, we would take care of their kids and have it all set up as a playroom. I had all these perks for my clients and free notary service and all these things I would do, parties, client appreciation program. And so I'd offer all these services. And when I sat down with my 10 best referring customers, I said, you know, when you refer me, what do you say? And all 10 to some degree said something that kind of shocked me. They also, Brian, when we refer you, we always say, you know, we love this and we love this. He's a good guy. Mm. He's a great negotiator. He negotiated a good deal for us. He handled a negotiation. Nowhere in my marketing, nowhere in my frame of reference did I see that as a valuable asset. I knew I could negotiate for people, but I didn't realize it was what they valued most. I changed every part of my marketing. Mm, I changed great. every part of my offering. And I put on all my promotional materials that I'm here to negotiate. I'll take the strain of negotiation away. You hate to negotiate? I love it. I'll make sure I get you the best deal possible. I won't leave a nickel on the table for you. You know, those kinds of things. And, and I saw a meteoric rise in my lead generation and production when I started leading with the service I offered that solved people's problems the most. And I didn't realize that negotiation was a person's problem and that they wanted me to do it. And once I aligned those things, it took off. Boy, Brian, you just, you just touched on a huge part of promotion that we're going to talk about a little later. So we'll be referring back to that. That was, uh, you just teed me up and didn't even know it. All right, good, good. Well, <laughs> let's go there. You know, you say you never get a second chance to make a first impression. How do we just crush that first interaction, make that first great impression? Yeah, well, it's so important today more than ever. You know, Brian, I think we have more options today, maybe than ever in the history of our country. People have so many options. And if you are not all, if you're not just got your game face on and ready to play, as soon as you show up when you're meeting with a customer, they're going to find somebody who is. People want to feel important. And, um, you know, Dan and Chip Heath wrote that great book, Power of Moments, and they talk about this. They give a great example in their book where they, where they talk about a college student's four-year college experience and that 40% of what a college student remembers from their four-year college experience happens in the first six weeks of their time at college. And, and what that tells us is, is a couple things. Number one, uh, experiences are remembered in moments. And number two, those, those moments are front-loaded. What happens in the initial um, time of that meeting. You know, if a four-year experience is remembered in six weeks, I, I like to go look at it like this. A two-year experience is remembered in three weeks, a one-year and a week and a half. Well, things are happening so fast today. So what does a, a one-week relationship, what do you have to make an impression in that? About 30 seconds. And you know, Brian, we get so distracted. We're, we're on our phones. We are texting while we're driving. We're closing deals while we're driving. And then we pull up and we think we're going to be all in and ready for that meeting. We're not. 
but you have to be because if you're not, your customer is going to find somebody who is. You know, the ability to be present. I've always done this, you know, intuitively, unconsciously. You know, I used to, on the way to an appointment, 10 minutes out, and I age myself, I was in my Isuzu rodeo and I would play Ravel's Bolero, which took about eight minutes. And the reason was I had had a hectic day doing business all day, maybe multiple transactions, multiple problems, multiple fires to put out. But I wanted to be there for this customer. You know why? Because that was the only house they were selling that year. And it was one of 120 for me, but it was one of one for them. And I wanted to be fully present. So what I would do is I'd play this music and it would take me a few minutes to unwind. It would take me a few minutes to calm down. But by the time I arrived, and then the music naturally has this big crescendo at the end, which I would literally find myself sometimes like screeching to a halt in front of the client's house, walking in. But I was totally kind of jacked up, fired up. I was able to be totally present and able to listen with my whole body. And then what would the people say about me? Man, he really cares. He really cares because I was really present. So I think that's a great dynamic. You know, one of the things you've taught me and brought to Buffini Company is that leading with the core need. And I would be remiss if I didn't get you to share some of that stuff with our audience. Talk about how to identify the core need of a client. Yeah, well, you know, identifying the core need of a client is, I mean, Brian, that's where I said you teed me up earlier. I mean, you got to know your clients. You ask them things about what it is that you did that they valued. And it surprised you. It was negotiation. That's what was most important. That's how you found out what their core need was. I, um, I've got a good friend named John Acuff who lives here in Nashville. He's a brilliant copywriter. And what John says, if you want to know what's important to your clients, what their core needs are, he says, care about what the people you care about care about. And just, just be interested in them. And if you ask, they will tell. And so you did that. You learned it was negotiation. So once you knew that, that allowed you to redirect your marketing efforts and lead with that. You know, you know, Brian, where people get in trouble, it's probably the biggest mistake I see brands or companies make. And that is, uh, it, it falls into two classes of people. The first is someone who's been doing the business a long time and they just get bored and they want to try something different. Or somebody who's new and they want to make a splash so they do something crazy in order to get a lot of attention. Both will get you in trouble. You lead with the customer's core need. All of our businesses, all of your audience, whatever business they happen to be in, there's a specific reason, there's a core reason why customers uh, reach out to them in the first place. That's what they have to lead with in their marketing. I can do that for you. Then you supplement with creative. Yes, you can have fun. You can do some things that make people smile, but lead with the core need. It's really important. Love that. Lead with the core need. As always, Bill, right on the money, right on time. Uh, one last question here, because I always want to respect the drive times of our audience We've committed to the short form here, but we're going to do multiple of these promotions, sales, growth. We're going to bring it all together. I want people to get as much access to you as possible. We're also bringing you to Masterclass because you just have it. You know, I love the way you bring this to light. And I'm sitting here taking pages and notes myself. And we've been together on the golf course, at dinners, in each other's houses, dozens and dozens of times. 
but it never gets old to me because I'm sitting here going, man, I hope my own marketing team is listening to this. But we've already done the rapid fire questions. We did that before on episode 279. But I think for me, as we finish up here today, what are your top tips, practical tips someone can take away from today from winning the promotion game? We want to win the game. Give us some examples and some tips on how someone can win the promotion game. Three things, Brian. First of all, you got to commit to it. And it can't be based on um, how, what kind of month you had. Okay, I feel good. I made some money this month, so let's do some marketing. No, this has to be a commitment. It's got to be a percentage, a set percentage in your P&L every single month, and you're going to do it. Now, here's a real practical tip I want to encourage. Look, don't just do what everyone else is doing. The truth is most people are bad at marketing and promotion. So if everybody's doing <laughs> it, you probably should do something different. And, and I want to encourage people, if you're going to spend your money on marketing, go hand, I like to call it hand-to-hand marketing. Reach out and touch your clients. Do something. Brian, I love to do promotion that makes people go, Wow. And they say things like this, can you believe they did that? Did you hear what, my, what they did for me? Did you see this? When they start saying things like that, you know you're on the right track. I want to tell you a quick, quick story here real quick. When I was with Ramsey, we were in the radio business and we were trying to get people interested in us. They used to do these big radio conventions. This one happened to be at the Marina Del Rey Marriott and right there on the harbor there in Marina Del Rey. And... Um, we were out there trying to talk to people, and I knew my audience. I knew these radio people. No one, listen, radio people, they hate missing out on the next big thing. They want to be a part of what's hot. And so I was thinking, how can we get, um, how can we appeal to that uh, desire of theirs? And so every day at this radio convention down in the lobby, all the attendees would gather around the bar. And from the bar, you could see the front of the hotel. It was all windows. And so what I did was this, Brian. We decided to take all of our affiliates, people who were carrying the Dave Ramsey show, we decided to take them out to dinner. And what I had at the perfect time, I had about 12 stretch limousines pull up out in front of the hotel. And everyone's like, man, what is this? Everyone's asking, what's going on? And then we started grabbing all of our affiliates going, let's go, it's time for dinner. And people, other people who weren't carrying the Dave Ramsey show were going, I want to be a part of that. Well, you got to carry the show. <laughs> You're not carrying the show. And it drove them. No limo it for was you. driving them crazy. And, and, and all of our affiliates <laughs> with their chest stuck out went and got in those limos and we pulled away. Now, why did we do that? Because it created a fear of missing out. It created a wow experience. Listen, I don't care if you're a landscaper or an HVAC guy or a realtor or an insurance agent, whatever it is, you can create wow experience for your customers. You start thinking about that and you're going to make a huge impact. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I was just back in Ireland and uh, mom and dad, uh, you know, they're in a care facility and they're, they're doing great. My mama's reborn. She's 92 years of age and she's reborn. But we cleared through the house. The house has been in the family for 65 years, and I'm going through all this stuff. My mother's name is Moran. Americans would say Moran. So there was a book someone gave her on the book of Moran. 
and it was a little bit about the family crest and where the Armorans came from and where they lived. And then in the back of the book, it had famous Morans. And one of them, his name was Thomas Moran, who my uncle's named after. Now, will you hear this? He was a world-class promoter in America in the 1940s. And he was basically one of the first promoters in commercial business. So, for example, GE contacted him to sell refrigerators. So he did the first radio ads where they actually sold Eskimos refrigerators in Alaska. They took pictures. They were taking out front-page news pictures of him selling ice to Eskimos, right? He was doing a real estate developer in Virginia, wanted him to promote this big housing development. What he did was he hid a needle in a haystack, and he brought people together. If you could find the needle in the haystack, you got a free down payment on the house, and thousands of people showed up to this. He was working for a jewelry company in New York City, and the phrase was, he gingerly walked a bull through their china shop. (laughs) And I was reading this. And I'm like, no wonder it's in the freaking DNA. No wonder my mom was a promoter. Yes. And this is from the 1940s. And I was instantly thinking of you. And I go, Bill Hampton would have loved this guy. That's great. I love, I'd love to know him. Yeah. All these wow experiences, you know, totally committed to it. You know, Richard Branson said, if you want to stand out from the crowd, give people a reason not to forget. That's right. That embodies what you're talking about today. Well, look, we've done a great job here today talking about promotion. And I think as the recession hits, as the markets go down, as people are being laid off, as people are down and depressed. It's fun and exciting to promote. It's engaging to promote. It gets juice to you and your organization when you promote. And you can have fun with it. And most of all, you're able to not withhold good from the marketplace, go out there, ring the bell, and bring new customers in. Well, we're going to continue on our discussions here today. And we're going to talk about sales. We're talking about growth. We're going to bring more Bill Hampton to you. And now you realize why he's been such an instrumental part of my life and my business. Bill, thanks for this. This is great. I hope people listen to it over and over again. Because uh, if you want to really learn how to promote, I think this podcast is the way to go. And I'm going to finish it off today with the granddaughter of one of the great promoters of all time. Her name is Therese Moore, and you know her as Therese Buffini. She's going to finish us off here with an Irish blessing, Bill. So thanks for today. Thanks, Brian. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.